Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 70, the big 7-0. Today's episode of Franco's World is an exciting episode because today I get to be a fan. I've been a fan of this guy for about a year, found him randomly on the internet. I finally get to talk to him. Ladies and gentlemen, the great, talented comedian, Mr. Troy Bond. Troy, how are you, buddy? It sounds way dirtier when you said you found me on the internet. Well, I didn't. Yeah, that's true. I didn't say what site it was. I mean, I could have been plenty of fish. It could have been. Uh, it was Craigslist. <laughs> it could have been anything. Back page. <laughs> that's right. I said acting job. Uh, I said it was going to be uh, and in I a just dark typed room. In job and the, you, and went crazy with it. Exactly. And then we went back and forth, and, it, and we finally got you on the show, man. I'm pumped up. I'm happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. You can find him at what's the at name? Troy has Ebola, which a lot of people when COVID started were like, mine, I don't remember why I changed it to Troy has Ebola, but now it's been that for so long. And I kind of like it. And enough time's passed with Ebola, unless maybe next year we'll get super Ebola by the way things are going. <laughs> but like COVID started and everybody was like, change it to Troy has Corona. And I was like, that's not really a good idea because uh, <laughs> there's a lot, like I knew then, I knew after everything locked down, Cause I didn't at first take it seriously because it didn't affect me. Uh, I was still doing shows. Uh, looking back on it, I was probably spreading it. But it was like February. It's <laughs> like when they talk when they found out there was a cure for cancer. Uh, I mean, uh, when uh, cancer uh, smoking caused cancer, and everyone got it, and they were like, "We didn't know it was the '50s." I feel like that was me before <laughs> COVID, where I was like, "I didn't know it was February." Um, <laughs> but I, I was as soon as they locked everything down, I was like, "Oh no." That's bad. I think a lot of people might die soon. And so people are like, change it to Troy's Corona and like aggressively. And now I'm really glad I didn't because the thought did cross yeah. my mind. But it's I, like I might as well change it to Troy has AIDS if I was going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's basically cured now. What's this? The, the I don't understand the whole like HIV can like now they can just like keep it that it like basically AIDS can be like gone. I don't know. I'm an idiot. Like I don't understand how science works. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think they can, uh, <clears throat> you can take some kind of medication or prep or something that uh, suppresses it so it doesn't spread to other people. I did a commercial for HIV a few years ago, not for HIV. I wasn't, you know, like pro HIV, but it was a HIV <laughs> medicine a few years ago. I wasn't like, hey, how you doing? We love Magic Johnson. Uh, it was just more like, I was like, it was like that episode of Friends where Joey did a STD commercial. And I was like, this is where I get my HIV care. Um, and I learned a little bit about it then, but it didn't stick with me. Uh, but yeah, I'm just. The guess, HIV didn't I, stick with you? That's HIV good. HIV didn't stick with me or uh, the ways to prevent it. So maybe, uh, maybe I have it now. Who knows? I mean, I've been locked inside. I can't believe I I'm a fan of your stuff, though, with the, with the at name that Troy has Ebola, because I'm a certified germaphobe. I can't believe I would like allow myself to uh, like something like that yeah well that's the beauty uh frank of being so far apart now is we can not feel so dirty about loving each other that, i mean hey when this whole corona thing popped off and they were telling people hey wash your hands and like the nation was rioting over people saying wash your hands i'm like guy i have been prepping for this day my entire life i have hand sanitizer in my car after i pump gas or like exchange money with the drive through window i always wash my hands before i eat and after i use the restroom i mean this is like this is commonplace for me and people are up in arms about it it's pretty without washing them uh it's pretty gross that uh most people 
or or a lot of people might listen to what you just said and be like, wow, he's really aggressive about it. But those are all the times that are appropriate to wash right? your hands. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, I feel like people look at me like I'm a crazy person. They did when I was in high school. I would get my lunch and go through the, the line and what or what have you. I would set my trade down and I would say, I'm going to go wash my hands really quick. Make sure nobody messes with my food because people do that in high school. They mess with food. And then I would go and wash my hands and come back. And people like knew me in town as like the germ guy. You're like, oh, you're the guy that's really afraid of germs. I was like, because I wash my hands. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's wild. That's, that's why you got to carry the tiny bottle of sanitizer, man. And just like, you know, that's like a concealed weapon. Uh, and you just get I do. It out. I do. I have Otherwise, my concealed they're gonna germ carrier permit. You. Yeah. I have my for per, for uh, Purell. That's what I carry that. I got that thing on me. Right. Keep it strapped, man. <laughs> Well, so what's it like in New York now with all these uh like restrictions and regulations and everything? Like, what's the club scene like for you? Uh, it's uh, well, there is none. <laughs> there right. might be. I mean, soon. like, so uh, um, they're opening restaurants open back up today uh at twenty five percent capacity. Who knows how long that's gonna last? Maybe uh, maybe it'll last a while. Maybe we'll get hit or are being hit with a second wave right now, like everybody's saying. Um, so. It's right now it's it it's been the same as it has been for the last 6 months. Everybody's doing outdoor park shows that feel like midsummer and uh they're kind of okay, but it's also uh you're competing for a guy and who's who's with his dog and a a tennis ball. So it's not optimal, yeah. but uh comics are some of the hardest working people on the planet, so of course they'll set up shop. I mean, the the doomsday bomb could blow up tomorrow and you'll find three comics in the G train tunnel putting on an open mic like it's just unrelenting which is a good thing yeah and then there would be some sort of like uh hierarchy as to like who runs the mic who gets what you know and somebody's getting ripped off there's always going to be something those of us that mutated with reptilian skin uh get to go first uh anybody that wanders in late from the bomb uh can get on the mic but they got to pay two extra dollars it's all it's a whole thing laughing (laughs) get their two drinks yeah it'll it'll all be there (laughs) Right, exactly, man. And, and and keeping on the stand-up conversation, like I said, I'm a fan of your stuff, and, I, and I've and i noticed that you have an appreciation for the older comedy, uh, like myself. I mean, without those guys, those original, uh, you know, trailblazers, we wouldn't be able to get to do the things that we do now. So I'm very curious as to who like some of your... Exactly, like the old menstrual shows and everything. Like, who would be your, I'd say... Mount Rushmore is a popular term to use, but who would be, you know, I'll give you top four or five. Even then, I'd have a hard time narrowing it down. I just always like to think back to who I watched as a kid um, because my my dad was a big comedy fan and uh, he was a pro wrestler when I was a kid. Uh, so we, wow. we'd drive on a lot of road gigs together and he wouldn't, he was also a DJ, so we didn't listen to a lot of music. We listened uh, in the car because he was just sick of it. We listened to talk radio and Bill O'Reilly. And my dad loved to listen to Republicans. I don't know why. He was a staunch Democrat. It was like hate listening. Um, <laughs> I think he got off on it. But uh, right. And then he would mainly listen to stand up. So like we listened uh, on these hours and hours long drives from here to Beckley, West Virginia. Uh, we listened That's to right. Bill Cosby. uh Richard Pryor, Robin Williams. Uh, and then as I got older, I just would watch whatever stand up he was watching. And you and me are the same age. My dad, in like, you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, was really into 
the Comedy Central roasts, and uh, he really loved Cat Williams and Dave Chappelle and Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. So I think I probably listened to all of their albums more than anything when I was a kid. Uh, and Seinfeld was always on at our house, Jerry Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I got older, I reconnected with David Letterman because I watched him all the time when I was a kid and I started watching late night TV. And then mm -hmm. that came, I really, uh, I, I started watching more Letterman, but also more of uh, Conan and Fallon. And because uh, I loved 30 Rock and Tina Fey, I think me she probably too. had the biggest influence on me. Uh, the first time I came to the city uh, and I went to 30 Rock and I saw everything, I started crying because I'd watched actual 30 Rock so many times and I had just such... Yeah. I mean, is there a better show than 30 Rock? It's the best. I mean, like 30 Rock and Community are are w weirdly the most diverse cast of, of characters without you ever having to think about it because the writing is just so smart and good. Yeah. I um, actually haven't gotten into Community, but 30 Rock is up there for me, man. I, I love that show, man. This, oh, the show God. within the show, it's the best. Yeah, it's the best. Uh, and, and I... Got really into Tina Fey when I was in high school, and then right before my junior year, I finagled my way onto a Fallon segment, and then mm -hmm. just worked my ass off my senior, because I had like a negative 1.0 GPA by that point, Jesus. and I was like, I'm not, yeah, dude, I was bad. That's what happens when you get really into cocaine your freshman year. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, I wish that was a joke. Uh, that, but then I got out of it by my senior year and then, you know, you pick go. it up again in your twenties and then, uh, give it up again in your twenties. So who see, who's, who knows what'll happen in my thirties. Um, but I just started doing stand up when I was 17 and I never stopped from there. Wow. Dude, that, so that's, I did not know. Fault. God damn it. It is Tina Fey's fault. Her and her excellent writing. That's why you developed a cocaine problem is because of Tina Fey's uh, witty writing. It makes a lot of sense to me. No, but Thanks, uh, Dad. I mean, Tina Fey. <laughs> I, 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 I can uh, relate to that somewhat. My dad also traveled around and spoke everywhere. He was a pastor, but he also did like business the talks and stuff like that. So I would watch him do an hour of material every week. And, and we would be, you know, I was raised on that old uh, SNL stuff, like the best of... Uh, Dan Aykroyd or, or Jim Jim Belushi or, or what's that? And the, it's a Coneheads and uh, the, yep, exactly. The Tushi, Blues Brothers the, the and then you got Chef, Farley. Blues Brothers, yeah. yeah. And then uh, it goes up to Farley and we loved. He loved Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan is one of my all time guys. And uh, I'm trying to think of like my early stand up influences. I think when I finally got cable television in my room, I think I was like a, in middle school, and. Uh, I would I would just leave Comedy Central on and just watch stand up all day back when they actually showed stand up on Comedy Central and all day they used to show it and it was so Cat Williams was on there Chappelle obviously was on there but uh Patrice O'Neal man that that guy oh my gosh I I would love to yeah. hear what he would say like in the modern era it would just be outlandish well there wouldn't have ever been anybody else doing podcasts cuz his would have been number 1 all the That's time. A good point. That's a good point. I mean, I, I'm I'm listening to the stuff that he was saying in 2012 or or, or maybe earlier. I don't remember when he passed. Uh, excuse me, but uh, he was just talking about how like everyone's getting canceled and all this and that, and it's just like, how is this still relevant today? Like, how is this guy so on the nose with what was going on? Yeah, uh, the 
you go back and listen to his Opie and Anthony clips and uh, anything, any radio he's ever been on just immediately would take over and, and nobody could follow him. And, and I, I wish I got to see if I was five years older, I would have been able to see him live because I probably would have been outside of the cellar every single night trying to uh-huh. watch his set. Uh, and and one of the one of the greats, one of the underrated greats. I feel like I feel like true Very. comedy fans appreciate him, but uh, there's still even even with him being gone for however long he's been gone, there's just hundreds of hours. If if you're not familiar with Patrice O'Neill, just you just go and type uh, type his name into YouTube and then leave Franklin a five star review for the podcast for finding out who he is because your world your world will be separated into two chapters after that. That's true. I do need to tell people to start uh, liking and subscribing and rating the show and all that stuff. Patrice O'Neill's special, Elephant in the Room, I would write down those jokes verbatim and, and edit them to make them clean because I work mostly clean and my parents would kill me if I wrote a curse word on paper and gave it to them in, in middle school. But uh, I would I would write his jokes down verbatim on paper and hand them to my parents and be like, read that. Look at what I wrote and act like they were my jokes. And <laughs> so I was stealing jokes right. in like sixth grade. I'd like to apologize on that one. But uh, so you reference the comedy cellar and that is to me the mecca. That's the epicenter of, of real stand up and everything. You've gotten to perform there. What is the aura like when you walk into that building? Uh, it's <laughs> I look back at comedy clubs now like uh, uh I, I spilled beer in my room the other night, and uh, I must have done it when I was sleeping. I must have knocked over like a half-empty beer can. Not that I have like 50 lined up near my bed, but there was just right. happened to be one, and I knocked it over at some point. And uh, throughout the night, I was having these vivid, vivid, vivid dreams about the cellar. I worked the cellar a few times, not uh, a lot, and it's always been a friend who's hooked me up with a spot. Uh Obviously, everybody knows the cellar if you know comedy. But but the thing is, is most comedy clubs smell the same. Uh, so when I spilled that beer on my hardwood floor, I had those vivid dreams because I was something triggered in my brain where it was 1210 on a Friday for eight hours or however long I was sleeping. And and you don't really realize that until after you're away from clubs for so long, how important it is. Uh, how important a vessel comedy clubs actually are for comedy because that you you know you have to work in a confined space uh mm-hmm. it keeps the laughter and it keeps it intimate um and now you go to a park and 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 not that it's a bad thing uh but it's just different and and I feel like uh the when when things open up again it was hard to get tickets at the cellar before but mm-hmm. you are going to be hard pressed to get tickets at the cellar now because everybody that's one of the many clubs everybody's going to be flocking to when uh when everything opens up again i think i think that uh like obviously the pandemic has hurt stand up just like it's hurt any industry but i think i am in the camp that once things get back to semi normal people will be like almost yearning for for some sort of live entertainment like that some sort of escape from reality so i think that comedy will see a big boom after after everything yeah people are sick of having to talk to each other right now they have been having to talk to each other for six months and then and then for for the first three months they were talking to each other at the house and they said oh thank 
Christ, we can go to a restaurant. And they went to <laughs> restaurants for another three months. I mean, remember how quickly those opened up? People couldn't wait to go there. But now they've been they went from sitting in the apartment alone to now sitting at the restaurants with each other. They are dying for something to to yep. to distract them so they can just listen to somebody else talk uninterrupted for two and a half hours. Uh, so people are definitely going to be flocking to clubs. I'm not worried about that at all. And to be honest with you, I don't think people are really afraid of COVID anymore. Uh, people are pretty, uh, you know, Americans decided the pandemic was over like right after the 4th of July. Um, I think you're right. I think, New, I think around Memorial taken, Day, around Memorial yeah. Day, they were like, mm, maybe. Right. Um, and New York is taking all the precautions right now. I got to be honest. The city has handled this so beautifully. New Yorkers are what's keeping it alive. Um, but right now, it's these stupid, arrogant crotch goblins that are coming back who haven't lived in the city during The Walking Dead. And they forgot <laughs> what it was like for us to... We had to do puzzles, man. New Yorkers don't do puzzles. You know why? Because we lived in New York. We had a hundred million cool things. We would go to Dave and Buster's before we would do a puzzle. And that shows you how much yeah. we have a disdain for puzzles. Because Dave and Buster's sucks. Um, Anytime you got to go to Buster's, it's a bad time. It's a bust out. And now, now these people are coming back and they're moving back into their brownstones in their Woody Allen apartments in, in Greenpoint. <laughs> and, and they're going to their little Pilates classes and outdoor pottery barns and, 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 and flea markets. And, and, and you know, they, they banned wet markets in China because the live livestock and, and the seafood is what could be possibly spreading this disease from, from animal to person. And you know what? De Palacio's got to uh, ban flea markets, yoga classes, and anywhere where there's French press juice because that's where 20-year-olds who are going now and forgetting what it was like to live in Gotham City for six months. Yeah, just... people do puzzles of New York City. People in New York City don't do puzzles. I understand what you what you mean there. But in, in West Virginia, the virus never existed to, the, to these people, okay? So, uh, like, I was out... Uh, it was uh, I didn't I went out to dinner the other night with a group of people and uh, you know I was the only one there with a mask on this includes the uh staff like the servers and everybody I'm the only one with a mask on so they set us in the corner far away from everyone great that's fine um I know my friends that I went with did not have coronavirus and they still don't have coronavirus because they were tested but they and then it becomes music trivia night and then more people get in there and then people hear that it's one of the only bar restaurant places that's popping and even more people come in. So there's like 60 people in this place. Nobody's wearing a mask other than me. I slam $20 on the table because some drunk girl starts screaming Mariah Carey lyrics in my face. We belong together. And I'm like, boom, oh, I'm yeah, out. No, we belong six feet apart. Exactly. And so I got out of there and I was like, I called my parents. I was like, what's the health department's number? Like who do I will snitch? Like who do I snitch on? And, and so that, yeah, I mean like people in West Virginia just simply do not care about the virus. They think it's not real. They think kids can't get it. They think this or that. They think it's a, a plot to get Trump out of office. They think everything. Well, I, th I thought all those things were true. Plus uh, how contagious it is. I, I'm just trying to promote my new uh, Alex Jones podcast. My, on, on Infowars. Uh, but yeah, yeah you, no, I know what you mean, man. I know what you mean. It must be tough down there taking it taking it so seriously and everyone else around you is just kind of out there uh, tongue-kissing everybody. It's it's not good, man. It's not good. And, you know, I think like, oh, maybe if I went up to the city, like, that'd be fantastic. But then I think like, well, there's more people and I'd probably have a better chance of getting it than like, out here in the country. So it's a double-edged sword. I have no idea. 
Yeah, man. Well, all you got to do is look at the voting map and and uh, it uh, all the parts that are red kind of coincide with where the outbreaks are happening the most. I mean, I guess really, I, can't talk I did a lot not of know shit. that. I'm in New York. That's uh, well, I mean, uh, look at what Florida is going through still right now. Florida has been what New York was for. New York was this, this bad for maybe a month. Florida's still been going through it for what's it been almost eight weeks now. Uh, New York, we got it together really quickly. We just all went inside, put our masks on and said, all right, dog, we'll see you when we can uh, come back outside again. Because everybody was sanitizing <laughs> their groceries and uh, uh, doing everything that they were supposed to do. Uh, and yeah, like you said, people down south are just kind of like, whatever, we don't care. Uh, it's a conspiracy started by George Soros and Hillary Clinton to get Ginger Snap Hitler out of office. <laughs> Oh, man. Do you reference that uh, Gotham City, New York City, Gotham City, uh, you know, is going through all these weird things? Do you think America as a whole needs a Batman? Uh, sometimes I don't even think Gotham really needed a Batman. But if America, I heard you're, interesting you're a quote. Batman guy, you're a Batman guy. I'm just saying you've never seen him and I in the same place. That's all I'm saying. That, that's a good point. Uh, I think. Michael Caine had a great quote once that was like, uh, um, Superman is how America sees itself, and Batman is how the rest of the world sees America. Uh, so maybe America is the world's Batman, um, especially right now during COVID. Maybe we are. We're trying to help uh everyone seems to be pretty good off on their own i mean i guess that's bad to compare america to batman batman's pretty cool uh yeah i just love batman <laughs> my dad owned a karate school when i was growing up and loved comic books so i think that's kind of where it melded and um if i watch enough batman episodes in the morning when i'm in bed it'll eventually motivate me to get up and uh get out of bed and do something yeah. with my life. But also Batman's character is also really interesting to me. He's got a skewed sense of morality. He's, he's very flawed. Um, and mm -hmm. I like that about, about his character. Um, it's something that they, so they who's, did. Who's your Batman? Who's your Batman? Uh, I say Kevin Conroy who voiced Batman and uh, pretty much anytime you've ever heard him, in the, you know, starting from Batman, the animated series back in the day, which is what I grew up listening or uh, I grew up watching with my dad um, all the way up to uh, even now, like the Arkham games and, and uh, everything else. I read Batman comics. I read them in his voice. Same with Mark Hamill and the Joker, you know, Mark Hamill. I grew yeah. up listening uh, and, and seeing him as the Joker. It wasn't until Christian Bale as Batman and Heath Ledger as the Joker, where I had another uh that's who I really see as live action Batman to me is Christian Bale. Cause that's, you know, I was, how old were we when the dark Knight came out? We were like, what? Think, 12. That's the greatest movie yeah. ever. When you're 12, man, are you kidding? <laughs> I'm so glad I got to see that movie then because I probably, I still love it, but I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as a 12 year old loves that. Cause when you're 12, you love Batman and you love Batman so much that you want him off the screen because the Joker is so good. The thing, uh, so like my Batman definitely is Christian Bale. I I remember watching those those animated series of, of Batman and everything. Uh, I know there's a big debate between uh, Mark Hamill's Joker and Heath Ledger's Joker being like, who oh, who is the best Joker? Uh, I know live action and animated uh, entirely different things, but I think uh, yeah. I mean, I have to go back and watch The Dark Knight Rises because I just need to appreciate like how 
good of a Batman movie that is in comparison to uh, what was the most recent Batman movie with uh, what was the Batman guy versus Superman? Yeah, that. Yeah, that was. Uh, I see what they were trying to do. We got, I think, three. Ben Affleck? No, we got two Ben Affleck as Batman. We got Batman as, uh, versus Superman and then Justice League, which were both, right. you know, okay movies. I think Marvel does better live action movies and DC does better animated movies. Um, mm-hmm. But now, you know, they're going to do the Robert Pattinson Batman, which looks pretty cool. Uh, it does look cool. I will admit that. Yep. Yeah. I, which I was surprised at first. I was like, Edward Cullen is Batman. And then I got the vampire. Yeah. The vampire. Yeah. The guy who got Bella pregnant or something, <laughs> but he looks great as Batman. And, uh, I really got into his work, uh, trying to find out who he was. I did the same with Adam driver when he mm. played, uh, Kylo Ren. Cause I worked as an extra on girls for a couple of years. No kidding. Uh, my, uh, my best just, friend just started watching that. He, he loves it. He's like, bro, you got to check it out, bro. And I was like, all right, I might. But I'll, I'll check it out if you were in it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you ever can see me. Um, but I did background for a couple of years uh, and I'd, I'd see him a lot. So I'd watch that show. Um, and, you know, he was the be- what he was the best part of, of, of those Star Wars movies. So and it's same with like Heath Ledger as the Joker. Nobody wanted him to be Wait, the Joker. Adam Driver. Then... You think Adam Driver is the best part of the new Star Wars? Oh, yeah, by far of of the seven, eight and nine. Uh, the Mandalorian, I think, is the best part of Star Wars that Disney's put out. Um, but Adam Driver carried those movies. Hmm. That's a very interesting. Take. So you so you weren't a fan of Ray at all. Uh, I was when I thought that she was going to be something. Um, and I would have been a bigger fan of Ray if you can't even really say that if they'd plotted it out more because George Lucas didn't know what the hell he was doing when he did the first three movies. But I just didn't. Ray was just kind of very wooden to me. I loved her in The Force Awakens. I hated The Last Jedi when it came out, but I loved it after I saw The Rise of Skywalker because that was just like I'm just sitting in that movie, A Rise of Skywalker, and I just felt like Disney was cramming donuts and ice cream and chocolate down my throat uh and i was like wow last jedi was kind of a really good movie compared to what they did here um but ray i don't know i just feel like the whole when they were going to make her a kenobi uh and they were tossing that idea around for a while i thought that would have been great because it would have been parallel to you know a, a kenobi brought a skywalker to the dark side and now a kenobi is saving a Skywalker from the dark mm, side. Uh, yeah. And I just wish that there was a little more focus on Kylo Ren's character because he, he seemed to have the flesh out and they kind of knew what he was and where he was coming from. And Ray, it just kind of felt like they were drawing it as they were filming it, which I mean, fine. Some people really liked it. Uh, some people uh, had a disdain for it. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, I think you grow out. You're meant to grow out of things. And I had to realize that when I was a kid, I loved the prequels when I saw them in theaters. Yeah. Uh, and it was like the most magical experience of my life. And when I went to go see the last one with my brother, who we're both in our 20s now, we grew up loving these movies. We didn't love it, but we saw these kids who were sitting in front of us wearing the Kylo Ren masks and their lightsabers and seeing how happy they were. And I was like, why would I ever want a kid to be robbed from this experience? Right, right. And that's what I, it really is. People understand. use them as life. Nerds use these movies as life replacements because that's what they are. They're nerds. I know I'm one of them. But at the end of the day, on that one. <laughs> it's a space wizard 
uh it's a it's a movie about space wizards with daddy issues that we all connect to in a different way um yeah and there was a whole petition to remove the last three movies from the star wars canon which means really you know they want it removed from the timeline so pretend yeah. that it never happened guess what none of it actually ever happened it's all <laughs> it's all fake it's movies i saw somebody i saw somebody complaining that there wasn't enough like uh like enough people, different people groups or different different walks of life weren't included into Star Wars. And my thoughts were like complaining about like being included in movies that people speak gleep glorp, gleep glorp language, like full of like dinosaurs and wizards. Like it's a whole hodgepodge of different stuff. Right. Who is also another Star Wars character? Hodgepodge. Are you lying to me? No, <laughs> I, maybe. I don't know. He sounds like it. Hodgepodge. He runs a cantina with Jib Jab <laughs> and yada yada on Tatooine. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, like, like, like you said, the little kids being robbed of uh, of their joy and everything. So the prequels for me. So that's like when I when I got into it. Episode two, I vividly remember, and then episode three, I was like, when episode three came out, I was like wholeheartedly into Star Wars. Yeah. I was really, really into it. And episode three, I think, is pretty good. Um, out of out of one and two, which one do you think is worse? Well, the thing is. You will never catch me uh, saying a bad thing about one or two because I love them both, um, especially especially now. One was the first movie I ever went to in theaters. My dad took me. Uh, wow. And two, um, as I got older, I developed a real appreciation for it because I think two has a better story than three. Two really, you know, should have been two movies because you see what they what they really sh- could have tapped in on with, with Adam driver's character, but we see it more with Anakin where he's being manipulated and he's arrogant and mm-hmm. uh, he suffers this tremendous loss. And, and uh, the, the two really reflects how to tell her, you know, the, the, the Jedi were really wrong and really, really, really wrong and really arrogant. Um, they well, had, do you, you know, think the they 19- just had like the moral they had that moral high ground of like we were better than you because we live by this code or what do you think it was? Yeah, I think that's what it is and I think the code made them arrogant and uh you know, generally when something like an all out civil war breaks out, uh that's the time where uh, uh you know, uh, a religious ideology would step back and say, "Hmm, maybe we're not the right people for this." But they got thrusted into a war and then these keepers of the peace became soldiers and uh, they're being manipulated by evil the whole time. So we see uh, it's like the end of 1984 when Winston he's faced with, with the rats and he doesn't want to get his face eaten by the rats. So he, he gives up his, the love of his life um, and finally succumbs to the brainwashing a big brother. That's kind of the, the Jedi kind of did that to themselves hmm. and, Two really explored that. Eight really did a good job at that. And then three, three is like kind of what Rise of Skywalker is. Three, I think, packs the most emotional punch. Revenge of the Sith, yes. from start yeah. to finish, is a perfect movie. You know, just the opening scene alone, I think, is the best opening to a Star Wars movie. When they're when they're flying the planes around and they're oh, joking with each other. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, incredible. And million and hundreds of clones are just fucking dying. I uh yeah, I so that was the movie that really got me into it. I think it's time for Hollywood, and this is all personal decision on on the actor alone, but I think it's time for for Hollywood to welcome Hayden Christensen back with open arms. He retired to like a farm in Canada. He's after done movies. He's he doesn't want he's to do done. movies. 
Nothing. I think he's going to be in the Kenobi Disney Plus show, but he did one or two movies after. I watched that movie. I watched that movie Awake. I remember watching that whenever oh, yeah, he's like, he did awake and jumped in like surgery and like he can feel everything. It was, ugh, it was gross. Yeah. And then he did uh, a movie last year, the year before. So he does some stuff here and there. But for the most part, uh, he nobody really if, if you're a new face and you get thrusted into a movie series like Star Wars, man, that that that's that's tough uh daisy ridley because that's what they do though that's what they get unknown people and throw them into the thing like john boyega was like i don't know yeah that. yeah and john boyega got tired of disney uh shit so he put it uh and and he was like whatever uh, you know the thing is most people now as much as you do need studios and you need producers and you you need the machine behind you a lot of people are going their own route and uh I think it's different now, even than it was for Hayden Christensen, because John Boyega could totally denounce the Star Wars movies and then get five acting jobs because he has mm-hmm. a huge Twitter following and people love him. Whereas, you right. know, maybe if Hayden Christensen had that 15 years ago, he wouldn't have. Uh... But even the kid who played young Anakin, like had a mental breakdown and went crazy. <laughs> so maybe that's just a cursed role. It's a cursed set. It's like the kid who plays. It's like if you worked on the set of the Poltergeist, you're cursed. Yeah. Poltergeist, Little Rascals, all of it. Wait, there's a curse on Little Rascals? Yeah, they all died tragic, horrible deaths. Um, Good God. I don't remember I all that. of them, but yeah, I remember. I don't remember how all of them died, but I do remember Alfalfa was stabbed in the neck over a dog and bled out at a restaurant. He was stabbed in front of like everybody. Pretty sure that's oh, what happened to him. Dear yeah, God. my dad was really into Little Rascals when I was a kid. And I remember him telling me that we were watching the Little Rascals movie from the 90s. Like, I don't need to know that. I'm five. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That scarred me for life. The movie It scarred me for life as a kid. I remember that. My dad shoving that in my face. Yeah, I read the book when I was a kid, and the orgy scene at the end really oh, scarred yeah. me. And now every time yeah. Stephen King tweets about the morality of Trump, I'm like, man, shut up. You, you got kids fucking each other in a clown <laughs> book. Oh, man. <laughs> But but uh, you're right though about the the marketing and the and the industry as a whole. I think uh, the power is now back on the uh, creatives and that like so look at like what we're able to do now. Like we're able to have a show and talk to X amount of people that are going to listen to this. Like we don't have to be grind for years at a local radio station in Wichita and then get a big break for Sirius XM in New York and and then get our name out there. Like. We have the ability to like grow our own audience. It's great. It's great. It's fantastic. But it also, you know, it's a double edged sword. As much as you can do that consistency, you got to keep up with it every day, uh, which you're doing a great job of, man. Episode 70. That's in the shake a stick at. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate it. I'd much rather be doing a formal stand up every night, but I'm taking these episodes as sort of like a uh, when I have somebody on, it's almost like a, a, a verbal karate. We're going back and forth, a give and take. And uh, I, I like to take these episodes as sort of like practice. You know what I mean? Yeah, love it. Love that idea. So in what way do you see like the stand up like game changing where where it's like, oh, you have to get a, like this video out every week and we have to post it at like eight o'clock and use like 10 hashtags and we have to do all this like analytical data backup influence thing to grow the brand and crack the algorithm. Are you seeing stand up more so be gamed? Like uh, more people getting into it because they think it's a get rich quick. Look how viral I can be on the internet type of thing. As a for, as opposed to, I'm getting into stand up because I want to be a stand up comedian. It was always that game, man. People, you know, always there was always people who were in it for the art 
and people who are in it for the glory. And in a perfect world, people who are in it for the glory never make it. But the sad truth is, is a lot of the time those people make it before the people who are in it for the art. Um, and that's mm-hmm. just the world and reality we live in. So, uh, you know, it was, it was true in the 90s. It was true in the 80s. It was true today. Uh, it's going to be true every year from now till North Korea launches the nuke. Um, right. And I hope that's soon because, my God, I don't know how much more I can take in, of this world. Oh, man, you want to take it. Find the, tor- the, 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 you know, the thing is, is like this, it's tragedy is good for comedy. Uh, it sucks. It's worse <laughs> for everything else, but it's good for comedy. So um, we, 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 we don't get to choose the hand we're dealt. We just got to play it. And uh, the comics who play their hand uh, with compassion and love and intellect and keep their game fresh they're the ones who are always going to cash out at the end of the night whether it's Mm -hmm. through uh monetary success whether it's through uh film and tv everybody has their own different measure of success you're always going to have uh hacky comics you're always going to have your tiktok now i sound like bill cosby you know you're gonna have the tiktok uh, you're always going to have the TikTokers and, and the Lele Pons and Jake Paul and Joey Salads and, and all those hacks who have no talent or class. Does it bother you? Uh, always... But I can't get I don't know why I get hung up on the fact that those people put the word comedian in their bio. I don't know why it bothers me so much. Uh, it used to bother me. And uh, now now I don't really get as bothered by it because uh I, I, I can't do what those people can do and they can't do what I can do. And uh, at the end of the, at the end of the day, those people are going to find their success in audiences and we're going to find our success in audiences. I mean, go on your your, your uh, Spotify playlist or your Apple Music playlist right now. Do you are you only listening to one artist? Uh, there's hundreds. There's hundreds mm-hmm. of us. There's there's going to be there's going to be the 12 year old girls who love. uh Amanda Kearney and Lele and, and Jake and Logan Paul, all those guys. And and yeah. and there's gonna be twelve year old girls who love comics. Uh and, well, in and, defense, and people in of defense, all ages. In defense of the Apple Spotify uh, you know, thing, I do have like a three hour John Mayer only playlist, but that's just me. <laughs> sure, man, of course. I mean your body's wonderland. Oh, I got a, oh, I got a seven hour Michael Jackson playlist. You're always going to have your stands and the people you love. Uh, and but uh, there's room for everybody. That's the thing. And and the good ones find a fan base uh, and you're always going to find people to connect to. And uh, it's consistency more than anything else. Yeah, I, I, I completely understand what you mean. Um, that's one thing I definitely try to work on. I think I look because I come from like a baseball data analytics background um i look more so into like the weird like trends as to what time people are on the internet like when do i post this how many hashtags do i use like when do i do this and that how much should i be engaging with people like i have a habit of looking a lot into that and whenever like i don't know why i used to i'm trying to get better at this but like whenever a video doesn't do well on tiktok or whatever i'm on or or this or that doesn't land it's like I don't know why I'm always the first to blame the marketing side of things. I'm always like, oh, well, I can't crack the algorithm. I can't figure this and that as opposed to like, maybe I should just like write better stuff, you know? 
could be that too, man. But the thing is, is it, it, it could be either thing. You can't get hung up on it. If you put it out and you say, I know this is good or, or this is the best that I can do. Uh, and, and you have to be okay with putting out shit for a while too, because you're never going to get better if you don't. Uh, and, and sometimes you, you put out shit for a while and you get really good and you put out a lot of good stuff and then you could have uh, a, a string of shit again. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, what matters is, I mean, the art matters, but what matters is, is, is you staying consistent with it more than anything else. Because as soon as you start to lack and as soon the, the like button was invented to spread positivity in front of in, in front of people and be with people. And, and it was supposed to send this endorphin surge when Facebook mm-hmm. started it out and never did they realize how much that was going to impede on people's social anxiety and their insecurities. Uh, so, you know, the more you pay attention to the likes and if who's watching this, how many shares, whatever. Yeah, that's important. You want to look at that. But also the work is more important. I, I, I get that. It's just. You know, it is a bummer sometimes. Like, uh, it's it's just head trash, and everybody does this whenever they look at something. They're like, "What? Why does that have like one million views, and mine only has one thousand? Like, that's unreal." It, it's definitely uh, it can wear on the mind. I think social media as a whole. I know a lot of people won't like me saying this, but not everyone's opinion was made to be heard. There's a lot of people out there that are straight up dumb, and 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 that just like social media is great for showing you things that you like. But it's also bad because you also click on the things you hate. And because it's just a computer, it doesn't know. It'll send you more things that you just hate because it gets a reaction out of you. Like you click it. Exactly. It's just designed for you. All of it is designed for you to stare at your screen for 18 hours of your day. If I didn't have to be in, if I didn't have to rely on that as a tool for stand up and, and, and for myself, for my career, I wouldn't be on it. I hate it. I abhor it. I'm almost never on it if I'm not posting something I want people to see uh, just because I know if I'm on it for five minutes, uh, I'm going to be sucked into it for hours. And mm-hmm. I don't I hate giving my life to it because that's what I do. <clears throat> that's what everybody really does with it. And uh, it's like eating. I still haven't eaten today. Not that I've given any thought to it i'm just now looking down realizing oh it's three o'clock i haven't eaten same with my phone i'm like oh it's it's three four o'clock i haven't looked at my phone other than when you and i were sending dick pics back and forth on instagram that's true that's the only time and i gotta tell you folks troy wow (laughs) yeah you never saw a penis that micro have you (laughs) it's honestly i thought about calling national geographic it's a scientific anomaly oh they have my number (laughs) they send me christmas cards it just says sorry maybe next year (laughs) yeah man i mean but the uh, i uh i get sucked into the end of the phone game and i like at the end of the week when i get the notification from apple or what have you and it says your screen time is down like 12 percent. like that makes me feel good and then you know I, and then i notice like i have a really good writing week the weeks that i don't stare on my phone all the time like the weeks that i'm actually doing this stuff and putting pen to paper and getting words down I feel more accomplished at the end of the night when I'm like, wow, like I can really do this. And then it's like I have bad nights of writing. I'm just like, why do I even try this? And then I see someone crushing it on my phone. I'm like, good for them. I'll never be that. I'm horrible. And it just like feeds into the whole game. You know, comparison is the thief of joy. Wow, that's deep. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt. He had a lot of good ones. I, I like to say I like to call it turning over your baseball card. Uh, it's very easy so it's very easy to turn over a baseball card and look at the numbers and compare it to another person's numbers and be like, wow, this guy sucks and this guy's that. But like I mean, one guy was a shortstop and one guy was a catcher. Like it's two different things. 
and one guy's playing in double A and you're playing in the major leagues. So it's an, an entirely different things to to compare your baseball cards. You know what I mean? My brother, if they're not you, they all suck. And I mean you specifically. <laughs> I get it, man. All right. Hey, this episode's been great. I have to we have to do a shorter episode today just because I'm running out of space on my podcast this week. Unfortunately, we couldn't do an hour. But is there anything, any parting words you'd like to leave the people, Troy? I want to thank you for having me on, man. I had a great time. You're really killing it. Uh, keep it up. Uh, you got as soon as things open up again, I think you're gonna have some 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 great spots in your future. Uh, and uh, thank you for having me on. I'm, 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 of course, this, man. This I, I I'm really trying my darndest to get up to the city and do uh do the dang thing. That is the goal. So. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time of your day to listen to this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Francoswood underscore. Follow Troy at Troy has Ebola. It's very topical and it's a very good name. <laughs> and uh, yes, Thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope you have a great day and I will see you when I see you.